What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. <laughs> this is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And it is Cinco de Mayo. Have a very festive day, everybody. Welcome to the show. Giving you our updated tight end rankings after the NFL draft and, of course, after the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. That's a big one as well. It factors in here. Hey, you know, we haven't really talked about Robert Tunyon. Can he make a comeback? I know he's a riser in at least Jamie's rankings here, but no Devontae Adams. Uh, and they do draft Christian Watson, but maybe an opportunity for Tunyon, who was a top three tight end just two seasons ago. Uh, we'll talk about Cole Komet. We'll talk about Herb Smith. We'll talk about Albert O. Do you guys like my Albert O nickname? Um, you stole it from me, so that's good. Did I? Yeah, when when they drafted Dolchitz, I was I tweeted Albert. Oh no! Oh, sorry. What did I write? I, Albert. Oh no! There goes my fantasy value. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't see um, it. So I have I a question for it. Heath because Ooh. Heath has to listen to these all the time. Uh, what is more cringeworthy to you, <laughs> Adam's YouTube intros, or my start to every FFT episode where I have to stare in the camera and tell everybody what's happening on the day on today's show? Um. No, yours is generally a little bit more buttoned down. So it's generally. And so his are more cringeworthy, <laughs> I would say. I do really enjoy the occasional time where Jamie's intros just go off the rails. Yeah. Because it makes me feel so much better about myself. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm just... Well, here's the thing. So for a year, for our season, um, we did these. And I never prepared for them. You know, I mean, this is an actual like live buttoned up show that we, um, you know, <clears throat> overproduce um at times <laughs> and uh uh you would think that i would have something like ready to say and and for the most part as as are yours adam um during the season you know what you're doing every day yeah monday's this day tuesday's this day, you know you know what the shows are every day so you would think i'd have like some idea of okay i'm gonna say this on this day this on this but i sit down there and literally like all right three two oh no yeah. Uh, what, uh, yeah, go. <laughs> no, it's, I feel the same way. It's it's like I, I'll prep for a show. I'll put time into it. Not every show. Well, it's put the same amount of time. And then I just don't put any time into the intro or the outro. And then I, it's <laughs> we're about to do the show. I'm like, what am I going to say right now? Uh, yep. I want to make it good. I want to catch, catch people's attention. And I end up right. tripping over my words. And I think my favorite myself. thing is when you talk openly about how bad the intro was. <laughs> And then 45 minutes later, the outro is worse. <laughs> that's what I really like. Well, yeah, but it's a fraction of the people actually hear the outro, so that's okay. Question to start the, today's show. What is your go-to order at a Mexican restaurant? All right, it's, uh, In honor of Cinco de Mayo, and there's that's the one day that I definitely don't get Mexican food because I don't want to wait three hours. Uh, what is your go-to order at a Mexican restaurant? 
I'm a pretty simple taco guy. So uh, you got to the, the best places, in my opinion, uh, if it's um, homemade guacamole. Like Rocco's Tacos. Mm. Oh, yo, Florida, Rocco's Tacos guac is yep. so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much a tacos guy too. Like always the guac. Um and and since we gave a shout out to one South Florida taco place, I'll say that uh, like my my favorite right now is Los Picados. Used to be in a gas station on 441. Now they've got a storefront. I believe uh diners, drive-ins and dives went there once. It's yeah. fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm a burrito guy. And uh tacos don't fill me up. I think that's my issue. There's just not enough of it. You could just get more of them. You could, but the, I feel like the way they're priced is, is is not enough bang for the buck. So I'm a burrito guy for sure. Um, anyway, I uh, hope you all have a wonderful Cinco de Mayo. Now, the other question before we get into tight ends, we're having a discussion off the air before the show. Uh, Heath is working on his updated Dynasty running back rankings, and he's trying to figure out if he's going to leave Brees Hall at number two overall. And that's not in rookie drafts. That's Jonathan Taylor one, Brees Hall two. So, Heath, where are you at in your thought process there, the number two running back behind Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty? Yeah, basically, I try to use a bit of a formula factoring in age, 2022 projection, upside, risk, all those things into it. And then I'll I'll massage it a little bit with how I feel. But I've got Brees Hall, Najee Harris, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, all kind of right there in the same tier. So he's either two through six. Um, and I just look at it and most of those guys, not, I guess half those guys, Swift and Javante are also going to be in some sort of timeshare like Hall is. And the other two, Najee's three years older than Brees Hall. McCaffrey's five and has had the injury risks. And so right now I, I think, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I think prospect wise, um, Hall is better than Harris Williams or Swift and age-wise, he has such a huge edge on McCaffrey that I think I'm going to leave him at two. Jamie, what do you think? Who would be number two for you behind Taylor? Harris. Um, and I probably would still put Swift ahead of him as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, he summed it up. It's, it's you know, a lot of this really comes down to, you know, is is Michael Carter going to be a problem, you know, and, and to what extent? And how good can this Jets offense be? You know, and so I wonder, like, Heath, if – because Dave brought this up on, uh, I think it was on on HQ, about the San Francisco offense. I think he said it here too. The San Francisco offense and how much of it will be replicated by the Jets. And we saw it a little bit last year, you know, when they used multiple guys. Uh, but clearly the talent pool is, is ramped up a little bit, you know. So whereas Carter was the one, now Carter has the two. How much will they split carries with those guys? You know, I'm of the belief, and, and, and I think, Adam, you, you said it, you know, perfectly. When you have a guy, you use that guy. And I, I think the Jets will realize that Brees Hall is that guy to the detriment, unfortunately, of Michael Carter. Um, but we just don't know that. And so, you know, if this was, let's say, San Francisco drafting Brees Hall, would you feel the same? You know, if, 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 if you know, going to a team where you, you kind of anticipate a pretty significant split, or at least, you know, close to a split. You know, I know San Francisco did that last year with Elijah Mitchell, but, you know, they were, they kind of had their hand held a little bit by not trusting Trey Sermon and, and most are being hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think there is a split, and the, the thing will be how how big is it? Right now, I I have his split pretty similar to what I have for Javante and for Swift, and it's probably pretty close to sixty. Now, you might expect more targets for Swift, and Javante is kind of up in the air in that regard. 
um, just because all the weapons they have in Denver and the fact that Russell Wilson hasn't thrown to his running backs and the fact that he just split targets last last year with Melvin Gordon. So that the catches might be the one thing I'd be uncertain about. But it, the other thing, and we've talked about this a lot this offseason, the, the transition period at running back. There are so few guys under 25 years old who you could say you think, like Jonathan Taylor's a workhorse back. Najee Harris is a workhorse back. I don't know if there's another guy under 25 who is. They're all in yeah. some sort of committee. So how much older is Javante Williams than Brees Hall? Um, I think a year. Is it is it fair to say that if you were... <laughs> let's say you were taking the 2022 season off and you were doing... <laughs> I feel like next year Javante Williams might just be completely unleashed. I don't. I feel like this is definitely the last year for See, for Gordon. If you were taking a year off, if you were rebuilding, I think it's easily whole. I don't know. I I I, I don't know. Just really loved the situation. You're saying, you're saying that because you expect Hall to be tied to Carter again next year? No, I'm saying because I I just trust the the Broncos offense with Russell Wilson much more than I trust the Jets offense. So. If I didn't have to worry about Melvin Gordon, you know, really eating into Javante Williams, I would take Javante Williams over Hall. I might do it anyway because I, I think maybe this year you have to bite the bullet. But since it is Brees Hall's rookie year, Javante might be better than him anyway. And then if they're both turned loose next year, I'm probably going to like Javante more with Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Uh, just a better setup in the near future than if, if, unless Zach Wilson really takes off. That would change things. But I think a better setup than Brees Hall. Yeah, you because know, I don't think Melvin Gordon's a problem for that. I mean, long. yeah, in, in theory, it makes sense. Right. Well, that's why. Like, I'll I'll let next week come out with dynasty tiers, and Hall, Javante, Swift, Harris, they're all going to be in the same tier. So I I don't have a, a big argument. I I did a Twitter poll just to kind of see how crazy I was, um, and only nine percent of people think Hall should be RB two, but sixty three percent think he's top five. So. Like, it's not that big of an argument, really. I think just after seeing Harris as a rookie, it's hard to, right. for me at least, to take Hall over him. Uh, let's see. Brees Hall. Okay, never mind. I was going to say, I thought they had similar birthdays, but they don't. Yeah, Javante Williams is a little bit less than a year older than Brees Hall. Okay, we are getting into tight ends now. First, let me promote something. If you have smart speakers, it is so easy to listen to our podcast. If you have smart speakers, it's not so easy to watch our podcast. But if you want to listen, say, Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. Bam, you'll be listening. Did the NFL draft change your tight end rankings at all, Jamie? Uh, yes. Okay. In, how so? <laughs> um. <laughs> I didn't know there was a second part of it. Uh, <laughs> I well, I mean, the it's the draft and the suspension. So, first off, the suspension for DeAndre Hopkins moved up Zach Ertz because we saw what Ertz did last year when Hopkins was not on the field. So he moved up a couple of spots. Um, I moved up Cole Komet because the Bears, in my opinion, did not do enough to address their receiving core. I dropped Albert O because of the Greg Dolchich addition. Um, I think he's a, a significant enough pass catcher out of UCLA that will impact the upside for Alberto. Still worth drafting as a second tight end if you're inclined to, but no longer where I had him ranked, which was as a number one guy. I moved up Robert Tunyon because I think the Packers, mostly Aaron Rodgers, uh, and his affinity to lean on guys that he trusts. I think getting Tunyon back from the injury and the only additions being 
a second round wide receiver, and I forget what round they took Dubs, uh, Dubs, fourth Romeo? Romeo Dubs in the fourth. Uh, Romeo Dubs in the fourth. Um, not enough to necessarily sway the veteran targets from losing value. I think in some cases, specifically Tunyon at the tight end position, gained some value. So I moved those guys around. Um, I'm still torn, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this since we're talking tight end rankings. Waller versus Kittle. Um, the fact that Debo Samuel has now refollowed all the 49ers yeah. on social media um, sounds like there's <laughs> probably a deal coming, or uh, you know everything is 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 on the up and up. Um, I don't know again uh, what that means for George Kittle or not. It's more so about if Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. But uh, for now, I still have Waller one spot ahead of Kittle, but. And then I moved up, you know, Andrews a few spots uh, closer to round one, but still in round two. Well, that was a very good summary there. So if you... if you, a third you, question I could probably answer. Well, okay, here it is. <laughs> if you removed all mentions of CBS from your Twitter profile, do you think anyone would notice or there'd be some any type of buzz? Uh, for me, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, how about you, Heath? Did you make any... What changes did you make after the draft? Um, I don't think I'm going to try that someday. <laughs> just see what happens. It'd be kind of fun. Um, almost everything Jamie said. I actually moved Ertz down after the Marquise Brown trade and then back to where I had him after the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. So he is right where he was. Um, I had Andrews ahead of Kelsey at the beginning of the offseason. And then when the Tyreek Hill trade happened, I moved Kelsey ahead of Andrews. And then when the Marquise Brown trade happened, I moved Andrews back ahead of Kelsey. Other than that, I think everything Jamie said is exactly what I did. Anything drastic? If you were writing a column, the changes I made to my rankings after the NFL draft, what would the headliner be? What would the- oh, I just thought it would be really good. Albert, oh no. <laughs> what would the biggest story be, though? That was it. Albert, oh? I- he was the biggest mover. For me, he was because I I was I was all in essentially. I, I thought with Noah Fant gone that, you know, what we saw from him in some, you know, small sample sizes last year was enough to take a chance on him as the lead of that group of about seven or eight guys that will all be competing in my opinion for you know tight end twelve in my rankings. But you know, factoring in Fryermuth also, uh, basically eleven through like seventeen. <clears throat> so. I like the uh, the setup for Cole Komet the best, but Herb Smith is in that group. Mike Gusecki is in that group. David Njoku is in that group. Uh, Noah Fant is in that group. You know, so uh, now Tanyan for me is in that group. You know, so there's a lot of guys that I think you can you know make a case for. Um, certainly can make a case against. Uh, but you know, I I think Alberto loses because you know the the if it was more of a a lesser rated prospect at the position. I'd be more comfortable with it. Greg Dolchich, you can make a case, is the best tight end in this class. I, I would I would take Trey McBride, but he's certainly right up there with him. And there's not yeah. any question that Dolchich is a better prospect than Albert O was, right? Uh, yes, he's a better prospect. Uh, yeah, Al, he, Albert O was, was, I don't know what kind of prospect he was, but he was very impressive at Missouri. I was disappointed that he ended up on Denver because uh, I remember liking him and, learning how to say his name and all that. And <laughs> he didn't really have a path to success with Noah Fant there. 
And uh, they, I mean, we don't expect much from rookie tight ends to begin with. So it's kind of funny that we just said Alberto like 17 times, and you're talking about remembering how to say Alberto Cueva. Was it hard to learn how to say Alberto? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I mean, I remember watching an interview with him where he's telling people how to pronounce his name. Right. So you know, but now we just I, call him Alberto. Say it more often. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. We don't have enough time for that. Uh, so I guess I just I, I feel like I'm the only one who's worried about Dallas Goddard. But that would have been the headliner for me. And what it comes down to with Goddard, I don't know what this guy what this means to you, but he was out targeted by Zach Ertz when Zach Ertz was there. Um and now you had AJ Brown and I don't know, if Devontae Smith takes another step, I do not see room for three productive players in this passing game. It, you know, for Philadelphia, even though they are going to throw more, I know they're not going to be last in the NFL in in pass attempts. But still, it's just it's not the best offense for it. You've got AJ Brown now. You've got an, hopefully an emerging wide receiver in Smith. I I really didn't like it for Goddard, and I know you didn't like it either. But it doesn't seem like you guys are all that concerned. So I guess I'll just throw out that little little controversial, spicy take. I'm basically not looking forward well, to drafting I guess, Goddard. I guess it's it's that group of. Um, Hawkinson, Goddard, Ertz. I'll I'll still put Gronk in there because of the expectation that he's back. And I guess you got to put based on how we're going to see drafts go. Fryermuth. Um, does Goddard not belong in that group for you? Say the group again. Hawkinson, who got company, obviously. Uh huh. Um, Goddard, Gronk, if he's back. Yeah. Uh, Fryermuth. And Ertz. He he belongs in that group. It, for anything, if anything, it just solidified my desire to take a top five tight end because I I thought Gronk was a, or Goddard was a really good fallback option, and now I just think he's a meh fallback option. And by the way, I would have Gronk clearly ahead of that group if he comes back. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know that he would drop that much in the rankings, but maybe it's just a bigger separation between him and the the five guys that everybody wants. I guess that's how I'd sum it up. It, it it makes sense, and it's kind of uh, back to um, greater late again. You know, if you if you're not comfortable with this group, then take a chance on one guy or two guys. Here's a cool stat on Goddard. He had. I mean, five- I did that in the draft. Sorry. Tuesday, I took Komet and Kasek. Okay, Goddard had five or more targets in nine games. He scored twelve or more PPR fantasy points in seven of those nine games with only five or more targets. Uh, that's really really good. So he was really good when he was targeted. He also, I don't think he, what was this? He didn't catch a touchdown from Jalen Hurts in those last, like when they when they became really run heavy. He just, he caught the touchdowns from Gardner Minshew in that one game against the Jets. He had 105 yards and two touchdowns. I, yeah, just, I think that the yeah. thing is, does the addition of A.J. Does, yeah. And that was going to be an awesome sentence. I know. What is going on here, man? We've just had so many issues lately. Does the addition of A.J. Brown, Heath was going to say, I think I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, oh. does the addition of A.J. Brown change the tight end targets? Because he thinks that Nick Sirianni's offense is going to throw to the tight ends, basically, you know, well, regardless. It, it, it should, um, you know, based on what we've seen. I think it's, you know, when, when you talk about Hawkinson and you talk about Goddard, because they're kind of in a similar situation, right? They both got crowded receiving courts. Uh, they both have, 
you know, quarterback situations that you can question, you know, is golf still an upper echelon guy or, you know, in that, con- not, I don't know, upper echelon, but is, is golf still a above average quarterback like we saw with the Rams and at times last year? And can he support multiple targets? Um, is Jalen Hurts going to take the next step? And is there going to be the opportunity for, for all these guys, um, you know, in this offense? And so, you know, you see the upside and you see the potential of both of them, but are they going to be the unicorns that we're chasing all the time, you know, of these next great tight ends, you know? So Andrews, you saw the path and it was always a question of, can they support multiple targets? Well, yeah. you know, Andrews, Andrews, you know, prove that. Um, Kelsey is kind of the guy that you like to avoid in theory because crowded receiving core, but he's just such a special part of it. And the guy there, especially now that he's different, but you know, we're going to find out a lot about Darren Waller, right? You know, yeah. and Derek Carr. Yeah, for and sure. we're going to find out a lot about Trey Lance and can he get, you know, George Kittle, those, those opportunities that we're used to seeing. So there's obviously a lot of questions with, with several players, you know, and, and you say, you know, you want to get one of these, these top tier guys. Is it really just the top two, you know, and, and, and Kyle Pitts, we, we still have a lot of questions. All right. So I was going to save this for later in the show, but I think <laughs> let's, let's do it now. Should well, let he finish his thought on AJ Brown? Was it about the targets in the Nick Sirianni offense? Yes, and whether they go to tight ends or wide receivers. Yeah, we talked about that on FFT and five, so I had a feeling you were going there. But let's talk about Kelsey and Andrews and whether or not they should be first round picks. And you know, basically, I made the case that so many tight ends, other than them, have had bad off seasons, right? Whether it's adding a target or losing a quarterback in Kyle Pitts's case or whatever it is. I don't know that you can say that their values have gone up where clearly for Kelsey and Andrews losing Tyreek Hill, Marquise Brown, that's going to probably mean more targets that, I mean, we agree there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to yes. speak out of turn. Um, but how many times have we kind of, aside from Kelsey gotten, you know, burnt by this a little bit with the second guy, like Waller. In what, in Hill. what regard? Taking them in the first round. Oh, I thought you meant the targets thing. Yeah, I, right. It's not it's not that easy. Kelsey's the only guy who's been year after year. Right. You know, I and and we did this, you know, once upon a time is our Gronk and Graham first round picks, you know, and you know, it it it's a tough position. You know, like Kittle, I think, is proven if you block, you're risky. You know, Andrews isn't at the same level of of a blocker that Kittle is. I you know, it, it and this is such a tricky thing to say because I don't think Heath is advocating to take these guys in the middle of the first round, you know, so when you're taking them at the back end of the first round, you probably have a pool of about four or five guys that you're looking at. So if you're picking 10 through 12, there's a great chance that if you take one of those tight ends, you have still the opportunity to take one of the players that you like in in the second round. So if you want to guarantee one of those guys to avoid the person picking after you, you take them, you know, I don't have a problem with that, you know, so like Scott fish, uh, who, you know, appreciate you watching again, um, picked a 10 in, in the mock draft we did on Tuesday. He took Kelsey. I don't know who he ended up in uh, with in the second round, but it was probably Debo. somebody that he had in mind. Debo. Ooh. Debo. Oh, it was probably somebody they had in mind to take in round one. I don't think he would have taken Debo in round one, but you know he had had the opportunity to to take you know a player of still you know great quality. Well, let's talk about the next two picks. The next two picks after he took Kelsey, I think ele- oh he took him tenth. I forgot who went eleventh, but then Dave took Mixon and Cook. So you know, do you take Kelsey or Andrews over Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook? I wouldn't, but oh, Camara, Camara, Mixon, Cook were the next three picks, right? And and so Chris played it, you know. I know I know Chris took Andrews at 
uh, the second pick around too. Um, you know, so Chris probably knew Dave wouldn't do it, knowing how Dave drafts, and so that's a big part of it, knowing your league. Um, so he decided, let me get my favorite running back that was available for him was Kamara, and let the chips fall how they do. And, I, and I've got them 11 and 12. So like basically the, the very last picks of the first round. And I think also if you get to pick 11 and Scott was at pick 10, so he didn't know this for sure. If you get to, if I get to pick 11 and they're both still there, then I'll take somebody I have ranked lower at 11, knowing that one of them is going to be there right. with the second yeah. pick of the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, so as somebody once said long ago, those are all basically first round picks. They are. I mean, they really are. But let me ask the, you. The challenge for this, though, is is if you really want one of them, and you're picking, you know, six through eight or six through nine, you know, because then you're you're taking away the control you have about who you're getting in the second round. Yeah, and if if Kyle Pitts ends up being something like a late round three, early round four pick, would you rather have Kelsey and Andrews near the one two turn or Kyle Pitts near the three four? Pitts. I think I'd probably take Kelsey and Andrews. So, like, I'll tell you the way I, I built the team. Um, I had no intention of going running back, running back. I had the, the eighth pick, I think it was. Um, and Najee Harris fell to me, so that was easy. And then in round two, DeAndre Swift fell to me. I was thinking just the way that the first round was unfolding that I was going to take C.D. Lamb in that spot. And so had I gone Lamb in round two, I would have taken Kyle Pitts in round three. But since it's a three-receiver league, I took a receiver in round three, which ended up making Michael Thomas. Um, I passed on Kyle Pitts. So had it gone the way that I thought, which was going to be, you know, uh, probably running back round one, one of those receivers, whether it was going to be Diggs, Lamb, or um, Adams went in round one. Um, but you know, Diggs or Lamb were, were probably the targets as, as the draft was unfolding. And then, you know, we had talked about it. I think you asked me. Um, what was my plan in round three or, or tight end plan? I think. Yep. Uh, I would have taken Pitts if he was there, or he was there. I would have taken Pitts if I had gone a different. Okay, so I'm taking a look at NFC ADP from April. I hear Chris Godwin's low and <laughs> from April 1st till the 27th, the day before the draft, Kelsey was going 16th, and Andrews was going 21st or 22nd. I'll try to update it and go April 28th through, let's just do May 4th. Uh, I know they're not going to be a lot of drafts. And I just want to see if they've moved up at all. Sorry for this. Uh, Kelsey's 15th and Andrews is, where are you, Mark Andrews? Yeah, 23rd. Hasn't changed. But I don't know. I uh, Well, I think it may have only been one draft. <laughs> <laughs> But I think in our draft, like in the draft that we did on Tuesday, I do think Andrews went earlier, or earlier than he had, you know, when we did our post free agency he definitely did. draft. Right? But I mean, like he said, you know, things have changed clearly. Yeah. So, so right. So you can't wait. He's you can't, like Jamie said, if you have picks six through nine or whatever, you just may not be able to wait and, and say, oh, Kelsey Andrews is going to fall to me in round two. It just might not happen. But anymore. like you know, I I think as we're starting to see here, especially now that the NFL draft is done, and and, and clearly you know, I, I think our audience, especially the people that have been, you know, diligently watching us, you know, you have an idea of kind of what the first round is going to look like, and we didn't expect you know the rookies to necessarily change you know the first two rounds um, dramatically. But there have been some things that have changed, and so if you're in the camp of, I need a running back with my one of my first two picks, 
So if you decide I'm going to take Kelsey or or Andrews in, you know, let's let's just say pick seven, um, you know that in round two, the running back pool that you're probably looking at is, you know, we saw Leonard Fournette go, you know, so let's say Fournette, James Conner, Aaron Jones, um, you know, maybe you see, uh, maybe Nick Chubb, depending on the format, uh, maybe you see, uh, uh, you know, if, if reports are bad by any stretch or, or certainly a suspension for Alvin Kamara. Um, but, you know, one of those guys slipped, you know, it was a little surprising to see Dalvin Cook slip in the round two. Um, but you know that you're going to have the opportunity to get one of those receivers there. You know, if you like the group of Debo, CeeDee Lamb, I think Devontae will end up settling there. Tyree Kill will be in that range. Um, you know, one of those guys. It's certainly not a bad way to build your team. You just know that you're missing, you know, one of those potential top five running backs. And it is kind of like just going back to the pits thing, because I've been thinking about that, because I have him right at the three, four turn as well. And I've been trying to think of the right way to say this, but it's kind of funny that Kyle Pitts last year scored, what, 10 fantasy points per game. If he scored four touchdowns, it would have been 11. If he scored seven touchdowns, it would have been 12, and he would have been tied in five um, per game. And his quarterback situation got worse, and they added a real number one wide receiver to go alongside him. And he's being drafted basically in the same spot or higher. He would have been tight end five if he had scored seven touchdowns. Six touchdowns would be 36 points, which is basically two points per game, right? Over 17 games. Mm-hmm. And tight end yeah. four was Kittle at 14.3. So it, he didn't. I, I yes. He, so. he, yep. You're right. He would have been behind Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, and Gronk. Um, yeah. Who Kittle and Gronk, I see them at both at 14.3. And this would have made Pitts about 13. Oh, no, about 12.4, 12. you said? Or two, two points per game? Yeah. Yeah, 12.7 or something. A little more than two points. Okay. Per so game. a little bit better than Dalton Schultz. Yeah. I mean, that is interesting. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it. <laughs> well, he's awesome. And yeah. he was a rookie tight end and he was awesome. Right. And so right. I get it. But just looking at like what he produced and how his situation got, I think, demonstrably worse. And we just do not care. Well, 12.7. Well, you know, I'm sorry, 12.7 would have be, been better. The hope would be is that. <laughs> no. Go. Go. This is the leap year, you know, for these tight ends, you know, the, the good ones and, and potentially great ones. And, you know, you hear a lot, you know, it was, it was really interesting just in, in the coaches that I've spoken to, um, you know, recently, um, about just, especially the last two years, really. And I just, I I think you guys heard me mention this. Um, Heath didn't, but uh, I spoke to Jonathan Taylor after the, the, the mock draft was over on Tuesday. And, you know, I asked him, you know, just what this off season has been like for him. He's like, this is my first real off season, you know, for what these guys have had to deal with because of COVID protocols and, He's like, you know, for the last two years, you know, we be doing these things over Zoom because um, they're just finishing, you know, their their rookie camp or whatever, whatever they call it now. Um, that all these coaches are saying just how much these guys are going to get, especially the guys that go through the draft process because it's, you know, draft, moving, finding a place to live, going to the city that they live in, you know, getting accustomed to everything and then just what these guys have been through. So he's the alpha. I mean, you know, there, there's <laughs> there's nothing about this offense that is not saying screaming Kyle Pitts. You know, Drake London's got a chance to be a star, and Cordero Patterson was was certainly a good player last year. But this is, you know, if if the Falcons over Marcus Mariota's locker room do not have a picture of Kyle Pitts 
on every wall of that locker um, that he just knows that that's the guy he's got to look for, I, I'd, I'd be disappointed. You know, so I, I think he's going to lead the position in targets and not be right up there with it. And if he gets those, those, those chances, he's just got superstar written all over him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty exciting player, and that it will be an interesting decision. Since you want to play the Ken Dorsey game? <laughs> he did go to the University of Florida, and maybe we should do a bet whose quarterback gets drafted higher in the 2023 NFL draft. Because both of them are Miami's and Florida's quarterback. Both are, you know, guys we're going to be talking about a lot well, this time next year. That depends. Hopefully. Who's getting more NIL money? Probably Miami's guy. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> We've just bought like, a lot of very good players lately. Yeah. It's, I'm rooting for the Yankees in two sports. I love it. I don't. <laughs> you love, I love it? it? It's chaos. Oh, it's complete chaos. What? It's chaos. You know, it's... Uh... It's the way things are meant to work. Okay. So let's take a break. When we come back, we still have uh, some other tight ends to talk about. Let's talk about Herb Smith, who's in the top 12 for Heath. Let's talk about Cole Komet, uh, maybe a little more on Robert Tunyon. Have some emails to read as well. We will be right back. Oh, we also have some news and notes. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back with our news and notes. A couple of Eagles notes. Jalen Hurts had offseason ankle surgery. He says he is good now. Jalen Rager could still be a trade candidate, according to The Athletic. I have an email. I'm going to read the email right now. It is from Corey. 10-team dynasty superflex. What are we doing with Rager and Quez Watkins? 10-team? <laughs> 10-team. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Watkins is drop, droppable. Yeah. Uh, Trade Rager for the Eagles so that you could see if he has a chance somewhere else. I mean, he's done in Philly. Yeah, I you don't drop Rager, right? But you drop Watkins. I could drop Rager. I, I think it's depends. Team. You know, like so our our league, Keith, is how many roster spots? Twenty. Well, it's so hard because IDP too, but no, no, yeah. but still twenty eight. So my my other dynasty league uh, is twenty eight roster spots. Um, and that's no defense, no no IDP. Right. Um, so you know you have deep rosters. It's not worth dropping him yet. But we get to the season, and he's still the you know third receiver for the Eagles, the best. Yeah, fencing league. You know, especially if you have to make decisions on rookie picks. And there's a lot of talk. There has been all throughout the process about Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett's hand size. He will have the smallest hands of any starting quarterback in the NFL. Do you um 
Do you empathize with him as having the small hands of a podcast host in the industry? And not only, I don't have just small hands. I have small, fat hey hands. <laughs> I don't have just small hands. I didn't say, I didn't emphasize hands that way. I emphasize small, okay? Oh, another good thing to say. I've got these small, fat hands that just are useless. Um, so at least Kenny Pickett doesn't have that issue. But I, there is an ESPN article giving the hand size of every quarterback, every starting quarterback in the NFL. Taysom Hill has the smallest. This was, you know, when he was a starting quarterback. But Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, and Jared Goff are next at nine inches. Kenny Pickett is at eight and a quarter, I think. Eight and a half. Uh, eight and a half inches. Joe Burrow's at nine. He's got the second smallest, depending on counting Taysom Hill, the second or, or smallest hand size uh, in the NFL. But the nice that you've done all this research. The guys with the biggest hands are amazing. Look at the biggest hands. Russell Wilson has the biggest hands. Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert. And then you've got a three-way. You also, with Stafford, Prescott, and Herbert, you've got Lawrence, Carson Wentz, and Tua Tungabailoa. <laughs> but You know what they say about hand size, don't you? I, I don't know what they say about hand size, Jamie. <laughs> what do they say? I don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't How either. Do uh-huh. Maybe I'll find big, out. Big when, maybe big I'll love. find out when everyone in the house is asleep, Jamie. Big. <laughs> <laughs> Schrager hates it when we make adult jokes. He oh, hates it. He's still a child. Yeah, he's like eighteen <laughs> years old. If if Ben kind if of child jokes. Not have the ability to grow a beard ten minutes after he shaved, um, he would still look like he's twelve. Who Ben or Heath? Well, ben. all three of you. Oh. Both. <laughs> You guys shave, and ten minutes later, you guys have a beard again. Oh, I, I've had to grow this for seven for, for about ten years. <laughs> You're the most baby-faced person uh, on the show, I'd say. What do you think, Shrag? Yeah, who's until, the until Ben Gretsch is back on Monday? Oh yeah, yeah, Ben Gretsch is baby-faced. Patrick Courtney says Adam hand size comment and the grunts for the new, for the new intro. All right, we can work on that. Uh, so let me ask you some more tight yeah, end questions. Everybody goes to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> More tight end questions. Uh, who do you like better, Cole Komet or Irv Smith? Um, I like Komet better because of his opportunity to, um, you know, be number two in targets there. But I, I certainly have been an Irv Smith fan for a couple of years now. I just hope he's healthy and 100%. Yeah, assuming that he, I, I've got him ranked as if he is, and assuming he's healthy and 100%, I like Irv better. I think he'll be the number three option in the passing game. And I think this offense will be considerably better than the Bears. I'm I'm cooling. <laughs> I'm trying to hold on to my Justin Fields love, but the Bears have made it very difficult this offseason. Yeah, I just there have been no good number three options on Minnesota, basically. I mean you, KJ Osborne last year was was the best. He had six hundred and fifty five well, yards well, and seven th- touchdowns. Yeah, that was because for most of the past three years they've thrown the ball like twelve times a game. No, that's actually not true. They've been in two of the last four years. They've been sixth and eleventh in pass attempts. The other two, they've been thirtieth and twenty seventh. Okay. So, um, but it's. I guess the follow up is: Does Herb Smith require Adam Thielen to finally hit the wall in order to really make a difference in fantasy? I mean, it requires Adam Thielen probably to not score a touchdown every seven targets because I think maybe Adam Thielen did hit the wall and he just scored touchdowns last year. I was surprised. I looked this up. Uh, Adam Thielen, his last two games, he he didn't really play much. Played 8% of the snaps and then 37% of the snaps. So 
if we remove those two games, his 17-game pace in his first 11 games was 97 catches, 1,060 yards, and 15 touchdowns on 139 targets. That's Adam Thielen pre-injury. His pace was 97, 1,060, and 15 on 139 targets. That's better, just better than I thought off the top of my head. You know, I didn't think he was the, putting the up The catches numbers. are for sure. The, the yards per catch is exactly what I thought. Uh, all right, next question. Jamie, you mentioned Robert Tunyon as a riser. To where in your rankings, and what do you expect from him? Uh, to that group, like I told you, of um, Gaseki, Njoku, uh, Fant, Smith, uh, behind Komet for me. Um, I just, uh, you know, just looking at this Packers receiving core and knowing how Rodgers traditionally has leaned on, you know, more of a veteran type of guy as opposed to a younger player. Uh, again, they, they've never really been put in a situation where they've lost their number one guy without having somewhat of an established player ready to go. And I don't necessarily think that Lazard or what uh, is left of Randall Cobb and the addition of Sammy Watkins fit that mold. So Tunyon could see, you know, potentially an, an uptick in targets from what he was two years ago when he was, as you mentioned, uh, a top five fantasy tight end. To what degree, I don't know. But it's just taking a chance on somebody that is in an offense that could you know, push targets his direction. So uh, certainly red low targets and, and, and those touchdowns. So, you know, when you start to get into this group of tight ends, you know, what are you chasing? Are you chasing guys that are going to be heavily involved? Are you chasing guys that are red zone targets? Are you chasing guys that could, you know, uh, see an increase in, in opportunities? And I think in a couple of those categories, he checks those boxes. So uh, we'll find out, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, more of a tight end premium thing. It's more of a, uh, I think probably dynasty and long-term, you know, looking at it from, you know, leagues that carry two tight ends that have these 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 larger rosters. I don't know if he's the, the type of guy that I would be drafting if I'm looking to carry two tight ends in the redraft league, but um, he's not far off from that, especially based on what we saw two years. Um, and I want to go back to the Vikings for a second. Mm-hmm. So um, I've got Ernst Smith projected at 90 targets. Last year, Tyler Conklin saw 87. And back in 2018, when they did throw a bunch, Kyle Rudolph had 82 in 16 games. Um, so I don't think there's room for a third option in the passing game as far as a wide receiver. But if a tight end gets 80 to 90 targets and they are somewhat good, that's absolutely top 12. Worth I, I will say this, though, th- this one thing, you know, and, and take it for what it's worth. But uh, Pete Prisco really tied into that Vikings organization and they love K.J. Osborne. They absolutely love. Now, that could be to the you know, uh, extent of maybe it hurts Adam Thielen. It could be that they're going to run more three receiver sets. I think Kevin O'Connell was going to be diverse with his offense, certainly more so than we've seen under Mike Zimmer. So we could see, you know, different personnel groupings uh, for sure. But um, I feel like as much as I love Irv Smith, that it's going to take an injury to one of those three guys. Hopefully we know who it's not. Um, but if Jefferson or Thielen or Osborne miss time, I think that's where you'll see Irv Smith pop. Otherwise, I think he's kind of a touchdown or bust type of guy. Jamie, where did KJ Osborne go to college? He went to the great uh, University of Buffalo right. before uh, transferring to another school. <laughs> yeah, okay, I just that's right. That's the answer I was looking for. And uh, Rob Gronkowski. So what are you guys doing with Gronk? He's 10th for Jamie. He's 11th for Dave. He's 18th for Heath. Is this just hedging or, or is this where you're going to rank him if he if he goes back to the Bucks, I can't imagine you're going to keep him 18th what are we doing with Gronkowski right now I'm hedging yeah and um, maybe I mean I, I don't know maybe he'll just show up I have no real feel for it and I think every time 
that I go in to update my rankings after however long it's been since the last time I may drop him a, a spot. Um, but if he comes back, he's going to be right for me in that Dallas Goddard range, probably somewhere between seven and nine. It's not going to be just an easy call to put him ahead of Dallas Goddard at this point. No, because he's still what thirty three years old and has had all kinds of injury problems. Yeah, but that got so much more upside than Goddard. He's he, he's the the one guy that I I went through after updating my rankings following the draft. Like I took out all the um, players that aren't on teams. You know, mm-hmm. in 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 the the top sixties. You know, there's, there's you know, like Beckham's still in the top two hundred, but. Um, you know, like I removed all those, all those caliber play Will Fuller and, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, put those guys back in. I will at least put those guys back in, you know, once they sign, I don't know if those get Dave and Heath still have those players ranked, but Gronk was the one I just, uh, he's come back, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's like, well, what am I wasting my time? <laughs> so you, you look, if you're, if you're drafting now, you know, we know there's some startup dynasty leagues that are starting, you know, their drafts now, um, things of that nature, you know, you have to make a, a, a tougher call on Gronk, uh, clearly dynasties, uh, a riskier decision because of his age. Um, but you know, the, the stuff that I've read was, you know, I think Gronk, when Brady retired, he thought, okay, I'm done too. And now he's got to talk himself back into, does he want to play again? Uh, he doesn't have to report until the summer. So it's, it's not like, you know, the, there, there's anything that's lingering of him going elsewhere. He's not going elsewhere. He's going to play in Tampa if he plays. Um, so you just have to make that decision, you know, whenever you're drafting. Now let's do some rapid fire rankings disputes right now. Ready? Here we go. You can give up to 10 seconds for your answer. Would you rather have TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard? Hawkinson. Great. Jamie froze. What the hell is happening in, to our technology? Jamie, Who froze? you. Hawkinson or Goddard? Oh, I said Goddard. I don't think I froze. You, somebody want to back me up here? I do not think Jamie froze either. I think he said Goddard at the same time that I said Hawkinson. I, Adam is wrong. I, maybe I froze. I don't know. Jamie went like this. Okay, anyway, uh, Cole Komet or Dawson Knox? Komet. Uh, Cole Komet, yeah. You know, one guy that we, we, we should talk about, though, not to derail this fun, fun segment. Yeah, great segment. Um, is uh, is Firemuth. Um, yeah. Because the quarterback situation has changed, and the receiving core has changed. You know, so does the loss of Juju as a short area target and we saw it, you know, for for a good portion of last season, uh, with the loss of James Washington, plus the addition of George Pickens and Calvin Austin. You know what those guys are going to bring um, with the quarterback change. Does that help or hurt Firemuth? I think he's kind of the same. Like I, I think he's still touchdown or bust. Um, but I do think that he's another guy that could take a second year leap. So he's he's in the back end of the number one tight ends for me. But it's in that same group. Like I said, you know, you can you can make a case for Najoku or Smith or. Um, or Komet as, as being better than him this year. Yeah, I really want to rank Komet over him. I haven't talked myself into it yet, but I've got him back-to-back at 12 and 13. Um, I mostly don't want to draft Fryermuth as my starting tight end. Okay, he's not your kind of not, not your kind of player. He's really not. No. Uh, but we right. know what young quarterbacks tend to lean on at times. Do they? Well, there are some, yes. <laughs> I'm sure there are throughout the history of football, yeah. Uh, so I think that I get the sense that the general public is going to like Dawson Knox more than you guys are. I'm not sure any of you have him inside your top 15. You want to give me a quick... 
He's 25th for me. Yeah, he's 18th for Jamie, 15th for Dave, and 25th. I think that's ridiculous. I, I think that's just ridiculous. Um, 25th. Get out of here. I mean, they just signed one of the most talented tight ends in all of football. Stop with that. Enough with, with the belittling me. I'm not belittling you. You were no one has belittled you more than you <laughs> on this show today. Um, but no, I think I don't have confidence that Knox is going to get the same number of red zone opportunities he did because I think they'll have more. I think Howard will do a little bit of that, and that was all he was last year was touchdowns. It's not just Howard though. It's they have a pass catching back now. They have you know multiple slot receivers now. You know, Gabriel Davis, you know, hopefully staying healthy, being on the field more, getting more, you know, target opportunities as well. Stephon Diggs still being, you know, the alpha on this offense. There's so many moving parts. I mean, I, I, I said it following the draft, you know, this, this is going to be as diverse an offense that Josh Allen has ever run. And so, you know, Knox may lead them in touchdowns. That could still happen. You know, he, he, could, he could easily have eight to ten. Um, but it could be a two-touchdown game, three weeks without a score, another two-touchdown game. You know, that's just the type of player I think he's going to end up being. He had 71 targets well, last year in 15 games. So going back to your, your Herb Smith thing, I but mean— he, he, missed, he missed time in there, too. Yeah, yeah. He missed two games. He had 71 targets. So he could easily get 80 if he's on that pace again. And you're talking about a team that loses target getters numbers two and three. Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley were second and third on the team in targets, and then Dawson Knox was one target behind Sanders. Beasley had 112, Sanders had 72 in only 14 games. So, yes, I get it. They added this, they added that, but I just feel like most of the time, if a team lost target getters two and three, we'd be pretty excited about the guy who was fourth, but not in this but, case. This is almost back to the Eagles thing we were talking about, the, the silos of targets by position, and... Dave has talked about this before, how a lot of times running back targets and tight end targets can be connected. Um, a team, There aren't a lot of teams. There are some, the Eagles last year, who throw a lot of passes to their running backs and a lot of passes to their tight ends. And they made it very obvious this entire offseason that they really want to have a good pass-catching running back. And then they went out and got a very good pass-catching running back. Yeah, all right. Maybe two of them. Uh, like I, I, I was just saying that I think the general public is going to be higher on him than you guys are. You're so, right about that. Yeah. Uh, let me read some emails. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. What's the ADP for Dawson Knox? Great question. And then tell me Chris Godwin's. I'm not telling you Chris Godwin's. Since April 1st. Uh, sorry. Dawson Knox is 108th overall. And I didn't sort by tight end. I will do that now. Dawson Knox, put him as a starting tight end. Tight end ten. Yep. Right ahead of Fryermuth, and as of now Gronkowski. So let's call him tight end eleven when Gronk signs. All right, time for emails. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. This is from Danny. Grade the trade in a one QB PPR dynasty league. Give up Javante Williams, Daniel Jones, and Josh Palmer. Get Austin Eckler, Aaron Rodgers, and a 2023 second round pick. If you're win now, then yes, make that deal. Yeah. Big upgrade for 2022, for sure. Right. Um, but he also has Deshaun Watson and Trey Lance at quarterback, and it's a one-quarterback league. Uh, well, that, right. That a little bit. 
Yeah, if Watson's suspended for, let's say, six games and you want to win now, I don't know if you feel great about Lance. I mean, I, I would be fine I, with it, but... I guess the I thing think, would be is, like, are you are you short-term versus long-term gain? Because Melvin Gordon gets pushed to a secondary right. role or gets hurt. Javante's going to be just as good, if not better, than Austin Eckler. And I think and the, like the 2023 20, second might be the, the second most valuable thing in this trade. Behind Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, I, I would think that he needed a quarterback. <laughs> That's why he'd make that deal. Right. Yeah. Okay, let's go to... Uh, so wait, so Jake. if I just want to stop being on the show, I just need to go like this? Yeah. Heath, right. let's, just, let's ask you the question now. Uh, this is from Jake in Kansas City. I'm in a 2QB dynasty league with rookie picks 2, 5, 9, 12, and 23. I only have Tannehill and Tua. I wanted to go QB at two and or five, but based on the way the real NFL draft went, it seemed dicey. So I traded picks mm. two and 23. Now remember, he has two, five, nine, 12, and 23. Four picks in the top 12. Two QB Dynasty League. I traded pick two and pick 23 for Davis Mills and pick 16. Am I crazy to think Davis Mills would go number one in a two QB Dynasty League with this rookie class? I don't think you're crazy to think that Davis Mills is would be the best quarterback in this draft or maybe even the first quarterback drafted. But I don't – I mean, I did a Superflex mock yesterday and the first quarterback taken was pick 12, even in Superflex. So yeah. what's that? No, I'm saying mine, he went seven. Pick it went seven. So – but he's not going pick two. Um, I don't think in any of them. Um, right. So yeah. Draft I, a I different position, right? This. Draft a different right. position and, and then make a trade. You know, see if you if you pick uh, Garrett Wilson or whoever it is at two, and some you could probably get a better quarterback than Davis Mills. Yeah, if I'm giving up pick two, I want close to a top fifteen quarterback. I would say I don't think Davis Mills is in the top fifteen. This is from like, Tom. I probably would be looking for, for a better well, you can't get anything now because he already made the trade. I'm going to say that's a D. Okay, let's yeah. go to Tom. Last email. Pick one one point three for Travis Etienne. I would not. One three for Etienne. So where is Etienne in terms of the running backs for this class? He's definitely third at worst. He's not one, but he could I think be he's, two. I've got him I third. Would, I would think he's. Yeah, I'd probably put him two, too. I mean. Two also. Not like second round. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's tough. I mean, then you got to factor in the wide receivers. That's, that's, he's not. I don't know if he's better than London or Burks or, or the receivers. Though, that's the problem. So, but if you want to get him, you might have to give up three. You know? Really interesting question. Really tough one. Very interesting guy going into the year, too. We'll see. That's one where you're going to have to wait for reports, wait for the preseason a little bit to get a better feel. But you got to make that trade now. Seems like we feel like it's it's fairly even. He thinks it's a bit of a loss. Well, and, I mean, what, what pick would you give up for Etienne? Probably six. So, I mean, it's close enough. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's it for today's show. Yeah. Once again, happy Cinco de Mayo. And I'm very sorry I didn't wish a happy Star Wars. How many yesterday. how many uh fingers do you need to get to get to what today's day is? <laughs> what do you mean? Like how many fingers? There you go. Just want to see my, <laughs> my fat hands. fingers. <laughs> 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 All right, later everybody. 
Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We got another episode of Fantasy Football Today on Friday. We'll see you then. That's the best out there you can get. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.